Thank you very much, Ray. I always have loads of books and stuff that I carry around with me. I don't look at them that much, but they're like my transitional objects or, or whatever. Um, I'm very happy to be here, and I feel it's genuinely a privilege to have been asked to speak at this event, because I think that we're starting to address, really, the spiritual questions of our time, a search that we all have within us, um, which is about father, but also about mother, and about a kind of a, a union within that we're all looking for. So um, by way of introduction about myself, um, so that you know uh, the perspective from which I come, uh, my original work was very much around the area of birthing, childbirth. And I wrote my first book about the importance of life in the womb and how it affects us in later life. And of course, as part of that was obviously the role of the mother and mothering. But from there, many men would come to me and say, well, what about our role? What about us? So it was clear that not only in the world at large, in the social system, the judicial systems, but also in psychology, there's a sort of a gap. There was a gap in terms of looking at how important father was. So what I'm going to do today is really, hopefully, give you a sense. That was my second book, Reclaiming Father, which really was to put father on the map. What does he do for a child that's different to what a mother does? And how our experience of being fathered lives with us as adults. And this brings me to my third book and also probably the second part of what I'll be speaking about, which is how our experience of being fathered influences us in our relationships. In other words, as women as well as men. Because women have a father wound too. And what happens is that we project onto the men in our lives the missing father or the father wound. And they may be projecting on us their wounds, what their mother didn't give them. So let me just begin um, with, a, with, with a quote, because really I want the first part of this to be, to t I'm going to take you back on a little journey backwards to early life. So this... Um, quote says a little bit about how, what the father's birth gift is, what he gives to his child that's different to what the mother gives. And it's from Robert Bly. The father gives with his sperm a black overcoat around the soul, invisible in our black nights. He gave and gives a sheathing or envelope or coating around the soul made entirely of intensity, shrewdness, desire to penetrate, liveliness, impulse, and daring. The father's birth gift cannot be quantified. It has something to do with love of knowledge, love of the mind, and a way to honor the world of things. So it's very different to what our mother brings to us. So what I'm going to do is just talk from a psychological perspective and just outline some of the things that father does, what we learn from father. The first thing is that um, we all, when we come into the planet, we naturally look for guidance. Parenting is part of that. And in Jungian psychology, um, there is a term called archetypes and not to want to be too complicated about it, an archetype is an image, is things, it's, it's a sense of something, it's um, universal thoughts, ideas, and ways of being. So there's an archetype of father, and there's an archetype of mother. So when a child comes in to the planet, he needs a guide, he or she needs a guide, and the father, the personal mother and father, humanizes the archetype. 
okay, so gives flesh to it. So the child learns what father is through his experience of his own father or her experience of her own father. And she learns also what a mother is through her personal experience of being mothered. Now, it's an important thing because internally, we internalize these inner images. So my brother, for example, his inner image of a woman and what he'll carry in his heart as he grows up will be based on his experience of my mother, his mother. And for me, my inner experience, my experience of my father will give me the image of what a man is. Right? Now, you're probably thinking, okay, well, does that mean that we all choose our mothers and fathers? In some way, we do. We choose something that we need because the soul always needs and wants to be whole. So we tend to attract into our lives events, relationships, and experiences that is going to give us the opportunity to be more whole. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that if we have um, a wound, an emptiness in relation, let's say it's abandonment or betrayal, what will that mean? It will mean that in our lives as we grow, we will attract to us experiences in which we will be betrayed. Or abandoned. Why? Because we need to learn to overcome these. And that brings us to the third thing, which is about healing the father wound and healing the mother-father wound. Right, let me go back to... Um, outlining some of the things that the father brings to the child. He brings a sense of order. A sense of order out of chaos. Now... Basically, the child, as, as, as baby, we grow in our mother's wounds, wombs, so we know our mothers. The father comes in to help the child separate from its original bonding with the mother. It's a necessary part of human existence. The father gives a sense of something different, not of mother. And if we look at it from a more archetypal or spiritual level, the child learns that there's somebody else in the mother's life. Somebody that she loves or that loves her. And that the child isn't all that important. It's just part of the three now. So the father gives a sense of otherness, a sense of to help the child in some way build his own ego or individuality. It's vitally important to understand that one of the most important roles of the father in child development is to help the child negotiate the world and move away from mother. So many men and women, but it affects us differently, and I'll talk a little bit about that differently, uh, a little bit about that later, are still in the world of mother. And if we are still in the world of mother and we haven't moved on, then that will come into our relationships. Because we'll be, as men, we will turn our women into our mothers. And as women, we will project onto our lovers all the things that we have missing in us that our, we didn't get from our father. And you might say to me, okay, what are those things? Another thing that the father gives is... Uh, a sense of strength and self-belief. And when I'm saying this, you know, try... Uh, because many children grow up without the active presence of fathers, and many of us grow up with fathers, but maybe we don't feel that strong connection. What I'm really saying is that at some level, when we do feel the strong connection, it gives us certain qualities. Father gives us a sense of strength and self-belief. When I was doing the research for Reclaiming Father, um, uh, it, it, it was very evident. The studies all show that absent fathering is particularly is painful for both boys and girls, but they affect boys in a very particular way. One way is 
boys with absent fathers or no father figure have lower self-esteem, difficulty with goals, with organizing themselves, with a sense of their own power in the world, if you like. Because the masculine principle, which is, which is from father, I mean, it's, it's the father, and the feminine principle are different. And in all of us, we all have a masculine, feminine inner self. So the masculine principle is the one that gives you your ability to make your mark on the world, to go out into the world and to feel safe, to create your own life, and to have boundaries. That's another thing that the father gives. He gives the child a sense of boundaries. And like what I've heard you say before, John, and I love that story, about your father, there's a sense there, as John was saying, of boundaries, endurance, keep at it, keep at it, it will happen. But there is a sense of learning about life. The father helps the child have a sense of who or she is without falling into too much emotion. Now, again, if you think about it in terms of spirit and matter, father tends to be associated with anything to do with spirit in the sense that um, he brings about, he establishes a path of consciousness for the child. Which is different to the first, our first task in life, which is just to be born and to be nurtured and to begin to feel our own individuality. We move on towards where father becomes really important. He helps the child negotiate the world. Now, what does that mean? It means basically that if you don't feel that you have a sense of strong fathering or if you're missing father somehow, you'll find it hard to know, to have control over your inner life, over your feelings, over making sense of life. You'll feel overwhelmed easily and think that you can't manage. Because one of the fathers, another quality that he brings is connection to spirit. Jung says he establishes a link to the divine word. What I see there is he helps you remember who you really are. Because within us all, I think, there's a part of us made of starlight that knows that we came from spirit. So there we have a connection to the God side of us, to, to our divine side. Another thing that the Father gives us is um, protection. Now, it's a very different protection to the protection of the mother, which if you think about the, an image of a nest, the nest has two, um, two parts to it. The inner part of the nest is soft and feathery, where the little birds are. And the outer part of the nest has a soft bit, but the outer part of it is in the tree. It's holding strong. That tells you a little bit. The outer edge of the nest is a good example of the functions of the father, which is so different. And in when I was doing a lot of the work with birthing, in traditional societies, the fathers were never at the births. Only the women were at the births. But the fathers, were, they had a role as protectors, protector of the space, keep people out, keep the fire burning. So his, his, his importance as protector is very important. And if you look at that psychologically, what that really means is if you feel that you have that sense inside you that you've been protected, you feel stronger in the world. You feel you can manage. So from a girl's perspective, it'll help you have a sense of boundaries so that you can hold your own. Another... Um, 
role. Of the, another thing that the Father gives us uh, is a sense of... Um, yes, when we're talking about uh, the male archetypes, the father archetype, and I know Richard talks about it and may talk about it tonight, I don't know. There are three or four particular ones of the flavor of the father. For example, comes through the warrior, the warrior archetype. That's the one that's connected with helping us have a sense of our own strength, but also to have the ability to suffer and to stick with it and to work, and that if you don't work, you won't get anywhere, and that you can't expect anything for nothing. You need to put your back into it. So the warrior archetype is something, I think, that has been lost a lot. John alluded to it a little bit in terms of, you know, have we created a, uh, a society in which um, the mother state, you know, which everything, you're entitled to everything. This sense of entitlement is a real problem to healing. And when uh, um, the movement towards consciousness and, and uh, in the 60s and 70s about um, connecting with our inner lives, connecting with our wounds, connecting with um, our need to deal with uh, the wounds of our childhood, very important time. But what has happened is it has created perhaps a sense of uh, entitlement which means that we, that we may go about healing, that there may be a narcissistic element to how we go about healing. And that's a problem. Because if we have that, we're never going to reach the heart of the matter, which is compassion, and which is the broken heart, which is having the ability to feel, to endure, to suffer, and to work through it. As a therapist, um, obviously this is my work, uh, and, and yes, we need to go back sometimes to our childhoods and even to the womb in order to find the, the origins of some of the wounding that we have. Well, that's good. And it's a piece of self-examination and a piece of um, fitting the puzzle of our lives. But then we need to work through it and move on. The only reason to go back is to go forwards. I feel that's so important. Because if we stay too long there, we can lose hope and feel that it's not, you know, I'm the way I am because of how I grew up. Big deal. What do I do about it? Because the question is always the same. Do I choose to be crippled by my past or empowered by it. That's it. That's the most fundamental and important question. So, so the sense of father. Let me talk a little bit about um, fathers for girls. How we experience the father wound. It's very painful for a boy and a girl, but for a boy in a particular way, to experience his father as disempowered. Whether he's disempowered in the home, or disempowered by society, or disempowered in the outer world. It's very wounding, it's very painful for a child, because when we grow up, we look to our fathers, we see our fathers as kings as big figures, God the Father. Our mothers are big figures to us too. Because that's how we learn. And so if, if a man is disempowered, it's very wounding, particularly to the boy, because it will wound his masculine image, his sense of himself. But it will also wound us girls. Why? Because we will grow up feeling that men are never there for us. Father wasn't there for us. Men are useless. So we grew up with the deadbeat dad idea. And it's painful for us because we'll fall in love with men who won't be able to love us back or who'll be afraid to love us back. 
But what we need to understand is we have a wound too, and we're putting into them our wound, you see? So we, 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 we dress our lovers in the robes of a king, and then we wonder why he doesn't fit them. And our lovers will turn us into mothers and punish us for not getting the love, for not giving us the love they didn't get from their mothers. Okay, it's not so awful. <laughs> it's human, like you're all looking at me, oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's human life, it's how we are, it's how we grow up. We all do it and we're all part of it. But I think that our task is very much to learn to deal with our own inner life our own inner wounding and come to some place of balance. So how does the father wound affect, affect us? I said I'd say a little bit about that. Well, as daughters, it will mean that we won't have strong boundaries, that we will have just read this, that I wrote tiny, um, I wrote this this morning. It will affect our boundaries in relationships. For both men and women, the father wound really is given voice and comes alive in relationships, love relationships. And that's why the third book I wrote, the Love in a Time book, is all about that. Okay, so for daughters, a, a, a girl with a father wound it will affect our boundaries in relationships. What does that mean? It means that we won't be able to fight our corner, that we'll feel overpowered, or we'll become overpowering. So our boundaries will be affected. In, in, in Jungian psychology, there is a term called the animus, which is the inner masculine in a woman. We all have them. And in a man the term is anima, which is to do with the inner image of the feminine. So what happens when a couple get together is they project onto each other, anima and animus. And it's fine for a while, but then as soon as an argument happens, they're both complexed. So you're not listening to each other at all. You're, you're, one is talking to the other's anima and the other is talking to the animus. Right? So we do work through stuff in relationships, there's no doubt, and it is the greatest place for growth. But back to uh, the effects of the father wound. The, the father wound in daughters, in women, affects us in our ability to do, to bring our creativity to life. It affects men and women both in their creative sense. But for women, it's about how we are able to bring our creativity to life. How we're able to, um, so that we don't feel helpless. That we can actually do for ourselves, make a mark or whatever. And there are many um, fairy tales that speak of that. Um, basically, if we don't have, if we have a father wound, we will remain stuck in the mother complex. Okay, here's another psychological term. Excuse me, but we all have mother complexes, and we all have father complexes, whether we like it or not. But the father energy, if there isn't enough of it in us, will mean that we're stuck in the feminine. We're stuck in the mother complex, hence turning our women into our mothers, and vice versa. So, um, so, so for girls, it's the, it's the remaining trapped in the mother complex. Think about the, the story of Rapunzel, the little mermaid. There's lots of, uh, lots of different tales that will speak about that. The someday my prince will come syndrome. I had that one quite strong. Um, the, uh, the, the wound can turn us into controlling women because they're missing something. And what we need to ask ourselves as women is, are we wanting men, what do we want from men? Do we want men to be hard and, and, uh, hard and soft at the same time? Father is a sense of hard, mother is a sense of soft. 
And men also have to ask themselves the question, what do they want out of women? But basically, there are different energies, which hopefully are complementary. That's the idea. So we, the daughter with the father wound, we may have a tendency to fall for the Peter Pan, the man who can't grow up. Why can't he grow up? Because he has a father wound, and he's remained in childhood at some level. He wants to play. So whether we're called the ball and chain, the missus, or the she who must be obeyed, we're tying him down, and he wants to get away. He's looking for father in himself. We're attracted to him. He's attracted to us because we're strong. He sees in us a strength. And we're attracted to him because we see the little boy that we can help him. We think we can help him grow into who we want. But that miracle growth never happens because you can't do it for somebody else. When we fall in love with, with Pu'ers, these beautiful Peter Pan men who are gorgeous, but they're stuck somewhere between the earth and the sky. When we do that, basically what we're doing is projecting our fear of commitment to ourselves. Why do we fall for one Peter Pan after the other? Maybe because we ourselves don't want to be tied down. Maybe we weren't able to play when we were young. So we also have that father wound in that way. So either way, what the father wound does to both men and women, and I'm coming to the sons in a minute a bit more specifically, is to complex the inner marriage. Now, let me explain what the inner marriage is. The inner marriage is the union of the feminine and masculine within us. It's a sense of harmony and a sense of peace. It's a sense that we are connected with the two sides of us. And the two sides of us can be our divine side, our human side. It can be our um, masculine and our feminine, the mother and the father. It's, it's a sense of balance. And so when I'm working with people, not only do I um, ask about your mother and your father and your experience of being fathered and your experience of being mother, but I also ask about what was your experience of your parents together. What was that dance like? Because the inner marriage is also a dance, a dance of love. So how did you experience that? Was your mother the strong one? Was your father disempowered? Or was your father the strong one? And your mother always looking for love from him that she couldn't get? Whatever it was, it'll give you the flavor of where that balance is inside you. It's a great thing to do because it gives you a sense of then what you might be putting into your relationships or projecting into your relationships. Okay. We go through the, the sons a little. Um, the sense of um, what the father womb does to sons. I speak, spoke a little bit a minute ago about that. It's a sense, um, lack of strength and self-belief, a difficulty with self-esteem and with goal orientation, feeling lost, a difficulty with the chan channeling of natural aggression, natural aggression. That's why for so many um, when I was doing, as I say, the research for the Reclaiming Father, it was so interesting to discover that a, a lot of um, leaders, uh, Michael Collins being one, and there are several others, actually political leaders, had uh, missing fathers. So they were getting father from, their, from the army, from the... the wherever they were getting it, from the group, from the, the it can be from the church, whatever is there uh, in, in terms of the institution, um, they were getting structure there. And it seems to be very common um, that boys are needing to have, I mean, there's a lot of gangs that can form, that boys are needing a sense of 
a leader and a strength and a, having something there to follow. Um, I have quite a, a number of friends and colleagues who um, were in institutional, uh, in some of the institutions here where there was a lot of sexual abuse, clerical sexual abuse, and n nearly all of them, the boys, went to join the British Army. So, um, so th again, the idea that the boy without father remains tied to his mother in some way. So he is, what will that do to him? It will mean that it will be hard for him to grow into a sense of himself strong enough to have a mate and not fear her, not fear the feminine in some way, not fear engulfment by the feminine. You can get so close, but then you pull away because sons don't sleep with their mothers as the myth of Oedipus speaks to us so much about. So father is very important to mitigate all that. When I, again, in reclaiming father, um, the whole idea that mothers can abuse their children has never been really exposed very much. It's not fashionable to talk about. But the point is that the mother, the father comes in he mitigates the power of the mother in the nursery. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the chapter I called it Jocasta's Children. But what this means is, and this is very well known in psychology, psychological fact, that when a woman or a mother feels disappointed with the father of her children or her husband stroke lover, she will often choose her son to be her lover. I don't mean physically now, I mean psychically. That also is, that is going to create a mother-bound man and maybe one beautiful young puer that some woman will fall in love with and try and help him break from his mother wound where meanwhile she's trying to break out of hers. But So that's a very important part of understanding what the father wound does to men, to boys. So it affects intimacy. There's a fear of intimacy in both men and women. Fear of intimacy, because there's no balance, you see. Okay? There's no balance. So whether there's too little father, too much mother, too little mother, too much father. There needs to be always a balance. So if the balance is skewed in some way, um, there will be this fear of intimacy. And let's say negotiating of intimacy, when you start to work through it. Otherwise, you know, I mean, there is a meaning to all of this that we do grow and work through our wounds, hopefully, and, um, and, and understand at some level that they are conduits to healing. And that's the most important. If there's one thing I want you to really take away from me speaking to you tonight, and that is that we need to understand that our wounds are conduits to healing. That if we sit in the wound, if we nurture it, hold it, endure it, and suffer it, we will transform it into strength into our particular strength. So a boy with no father or uh, with a missing father will become a very, will constellate in himself a father, will be a good father. Many men learn about love through having their own children, through fathering themselves. They heal the father wound if it's been there. Us women also can do that through having our own children. There's a healing in that at some level. Another important thing, of course, for boys, which is different from us women, us girls, and that is that the father constellates in the boy the anticipation of his own masculinity. Therefore, he is, he is important to activate the boy's maleness. The boy can look to his father and say, that's what I'll be when I grow up. 
that's that's me. That's me, the big version of me. Um, so, so a, a, a missing father is is very difficult because the boy will have to look to um, a more distant figure of, of masculine, whether it's brothers, uh, not, um, teachers, um, football stars, whatever it is, to find that uh, sense of strength and hardness. And when um, when Ray, you were asking us to to focus on our fathers before we started the conference, I wrote down on my piece of paper, you know, I didn't even think about it, but I wrote down someone to look up to. Um, and we all need to have someone to look up to. We can look up to our mothers too, but it's a different feeling. And the other thing I wrote was father dancing with mother, the sense of wholeness. And I might as well share with you now that my dad will be 101 next month. He's, he's still with us. And he is, in a sense, I see him as I spend time with him. He is bringing his life back to himself. He, my father wrote many books, and what he loves the most, and they're all on cassette, you know, is to play the cassette or read the books to him. And he zones out and stops complaining about how he's feeling and saying he's finished and that's it. And he just, it kind of brings his life back or something and gives it meaning. I see that, I think that's what he's doing. Okay, so, um, so basically the father wound is complicating our inner marriage, our relationships. And it's the same for men and women, only women we, we project it onto our men and men will put it onto us. Now, how am I doing with time? Okay. Um, you see, just to go back to that, and again, we can talk about it later, but if the mother is all powerful, if the child experiences the mother is all powerful and the father being small, or disempowered, then what's that going to do? It's going to give the child, uh, the child a sense that the feminine and the mother is so powerful that they will never be able to find their way out of it and be, have both a male and a female, if you see what I mean. The, the, father, the father isn't strong enough for them. You need to have some kind of a balance. And whatever way the balance is, as we grow up, our task is to heal the bit that's wounded and come to, um, to more of a balance. So it affects us in our relationships. That's probably where it affects us the most. And how does a child learn about love? You're probably thinking learns about being loved by its mother. It learns through its father also. As particularly a boy, but also a girl, we will learn how about love between men and women when we see our fathers loving our mothers or our mothers loving our fathers or vice versa. There's a lovely passage in, um, and I haven't got it with me, but there's a wonderful Irish author I love called Niall Williams who, who writes really nice, uh, I like his books. Anyway, in one of his books he's talking about um, a very beautiful relationship between a father and son. And basically the father and son are left alone after the car crash in which the, his wife, the mother and the sister were killed. So the feminine is dead. So the two men are together. The father is aging and dying. He has a, a terminal illness. And the son is maybe in his late 20s, 30. And the father learns that his son has fallen in love. So his son's heart has been opened. And and they, they sit together playing chess. And the father, uh, the son falls asleep at some level. And the father, and the passage is beautiful because it writes about how the father feels protective of his son now. And there's a wonderful, just I remember the last line which says that his father loved him like a wall loves a garden. 
and protects him and thinks he should be protected from the treachery of dreams. I just like it because it's, there's no one there. His mother is gone and so for him now he has that, that role to fill somehow. Um, I don't know why I said that. I've gone off the point probably. But. So the la the the um, my glasses. Yes, um, I, I called my presentation "Daughters, Sons, and Lovers" because, really, the father wound affects women as well as men, as I've said, and and it affects our relationships, and but. What do we need to do about that? We need to, at some level, learn to heal, not to, to bring about balance within ourselves, and to learn to, um, as I said earlier, to, to in some way uh, understand that we have within us the power to heal ourselves. And healing is only a heartbeat away. So the third part of this for me is the inner marriage, which is about healing, which is about how we can go about healing, how we can, for ourselves, become our own fathers and become our own mothers. I often say to people um, that I'm working with uh, in the therapy room, I often say, you need to be born to yourself. So in the same way, we have to learn to father ourselves. And in that way, the father wound becomes healed. Because we'd be able to fight for what we want, fight for what we feel is important. And the father wound speaks to us also in terms of our search for wholeness. Because we're looking for God the Father, we're looking for our spiritual side, we're looking for a sense of being able to be good on the planet, because we're humans. But it helps, I always feel it, it helps me, I feel sometimes I'm more in spirit than in than physical form, I don't know why, but increasingly I feel I'm more in spirit than physical form. But what I've understood is that at some level there's a struggle for me, and maybe for many others, in learning how to um, how to integrate my spiritual side, God within me, if you like, to be on the planet, to be uh, able to be a congruent human being. Um, so, so I see that the father wound is there in us, in our need for wholeness, in our need, in our spiritual thirst. It's, it's something we're crying out for the touch of the divine. We've learned that we can't control our lives to the extent that we can. Technology has advanced to such a stage, it's giving us anything we want. And we can be at the touch of a computer mouse, in touch with people all over the world. And yet we've never been so lonely. And we've never been more in search of spiritual solace or spiritual healing. Because technology can't give us the one thing that we do really want, which is happiness. It's a sense of meaning. And the soul looks for meaning as the body looks for food. So for me, when you asked me to speak here, I, I yes, uh, uh, speak about uh, the formative impact of the father, but also the, the bigger picture about this wounding, the search for spiritual, um, the thirst for wholeness. Um, so I see that the way to somehow get to that, there is, in Jungian psychology, we often use myth and legend to illustrate psychological um, psychological um, concepts. Uh, so we have the myth of the wounded healer 
Chiron, the wounded healer. And look, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but basically uh, he is uh, immortal because he is the son of Zeus and some nymph. And uh, he has a wound and he can't heal it. Uh, it festers away. He is half man, half horse. He's a centaur. So he's wounded in his leg, which is his animal side. Stroke, human, God, human. And he cannot heal that. And he becomes the wounded healer because he, in his search for healing, he becomes a gifted medical man, a gifted healer himself. Um, but he can never die because he's immortal. He can never heal himself. So he makes a, um, he makes a bargain with Zeus that if Zeus will let him die, Prometheus will be freed. And Prometheus is a titan who is tied to a rock for having uh, dared to steal fire from the gods. There's a lot of symbolism in the story. But what happens is he does die and he's reborn and immortalized uh, as, the, uh, as the constellation Centaurus in the, in, the, in the stars. But what that means is symbolically he had to, we have to connect with our human wounded side, and we have to die. By that I mean we have to let go of our ego. We have to let go of the old and allow ourselves to be reborn. Because before, um, when I knew I was going to speak here, I read some of Richard's work, and one of the things that he says, which I thought was really brilliant, is that if we are prepared to die, resurrection will look after itself. So if we die and engage with it, and by that I mean symbolic death, of course, and it's also, though, the search for healing, it's also, though, embracing the not-so-beautiful in life, embracing the wound, embracing the negative side, embracing the, the dark side. And by doing that, we become more whole, and we heal at the same time. But if we're all the time trying to escape and self-medicate, and move away and uh, look for instant healing, which, as I said, I think it's part of one of the sicknesses that we have, is this instant gratification business, which may have its root in the not saying no that John was talking about this morning. The not saying no, no, you can't have that. So have we lost the capacity to endure, to endure suffering, and to not get everything when we need to get, when we want it? and to stay with, stay with the wound, stay with the suffering, and allow it to teach us. That's, I believe, the only way to move forward, is to understand that there is a teaching. For example, um, anybody who's read my books will, it's no, no secret that I have been married, and, uh, that I'm married and divorced, and remarried, and that um, I remember one day going down, I live, I have a house in Connemara, which I love, it's my soul home. But I remember driving down one day in a state of, uh, you know, yet again failed relationship feeling and saying, you know, what is this all about? And then something good happened. I started to think of each of my former partners and husband and to ask myself, what did I learn from that experience? So from one, I might have learned that I was a really good mother. From another, I learned about my physical beauty. From another one, I learned about how uh, he was fantastic. Uh, he was a, such an interesting person. He knew everything, and we used to have talks into 4 o'clock in the morning, really interesting talks. So I learned about my thirst for knowledge. So from each experience that had given me heartbreak, I learned. So I see that that is a way of transforming So the wounds. In other words, not to blame other people for what they did or didn't do to make us unhappy. It's more about what did I learn from that experience. And if I have a father wound, doesn't that, isn't that great? Doesn't that make me strong? How can I use that to help me understand and help other people? And some of the greatest, um, some of the greatest um, 
people on the planet have been very wounded people, people who've converted their wounds, if you like, and helped other people so much. So I wanted to just read you this. Um, in terms of... Sorry. In terms of having a sense of staying with. I love this. I want to beg you as much as I can to be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and to try and love the questions themselves like locked doors and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not seek their answers, which cannot be given you, because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the question now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. That's, those are words by Rilke, of course, but it's the sense of being with, living with, and enduring in terms of healing, how we can heal, staying with. Now, um, my plan, which I never stick, stick to, but uh, was to, at some level, talk a little bit more about, um, ab about the, the, the four archetypes of the masculine, but I, I'm not sure that that's the way to go now, so, uh, because I know we'll be doing questions and all that. How long have I got? Five minutes? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to read. Um, I'm just going to read something I wrote this morning, which is probably a bit more present, and maybe that you can stay with, and that you can then sit down and we can formulate it into a kind of a question. Okay. So how does the father wound affect women? Usually it affects us through the men we love, or rather the men upon whom we project our father complex. Because that's what we do. We project our inner life, our complexes, onto the people in our lives, and most especially onto our intimate partners. I have a workshop coming up next Saturday, actually, on this very topic. A woman's inner masculine is called the animus, and women project this onto their partners. And as I said earlier, we dress our lovers in the robes of a king and then wonder why he doesn't fit them. And while he's busy turning us into his mother, his muse, or his temptress, or even the wicked witch, we have him small and squashed, too small to fit the shoes of the king we want him to be. If we've not built up an adequate sense of ourselves, then we look to our men to compensate for that. We'll expect them to fight our battles and get annoyed when he doesn't. We want him to be hard and yet soft at the same time. We women have just as much of a task in learning how to heal the father wound. There is a role for both men and women, but we've become out of balance. We're looking for love and for wholeness, and yet we've not yet understood that what we're looking for lies within us, and that far from being entitled to healing, we must heal ourselves. Women are affected by the father wound when they love men who can't love them back or who may fear to love them because when men don't feel strong inside, they may be fearful of connecting with us. They may fear engulfment by the feminine. Look at the poetry of Keats, uh, La Belle Dame Sans Merci is a very good one for that. They may be with us and yet not with us, afraid to truly commit. It's very painful for us, is what I'm saying. In Love in a Time, I wrote about how painful it can be to love a man who's afraid of being tied down, a reflection of misogynism I feel and experience here in Ireland. Whether we're referred to as the missus, the ball and chain, or she who must be obeyed, what has happened is that these men have turned their wives into mothers. And this happens all because the father-hungry man is still caught up with his mother. As we Jungians say, and is still struggling to emerge from the mother, mother complex. He wants us to be soft, nurturing, and provide the unconditional love he did not receive from his own mother, while at the same time he wants us to, to let him be free to play. So at base, it's the same wound. We do the same things to them as they do to us. 
No father or too little father, too much mother, and all the ramifications of that. Because in taking responsibility for our choices, we must own that we are seeing ourselves, our own father wounds, in the lovers that we choose. And that is really uh, the thing that we need to really realize, that we just project onto each other. Now, I'm just going to finish with, um, with another poem. can't find it. I can't find what I wanted to read, so I'm going to read you something else. <laughs> this is a poem that... Uh, Someone gave me, and the author is unknown, but I like it. After a while, you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul. And you learn that love doesn't mean leaning, and company doesn't mean security. And you begin to learn that kisses aren't contracts, and presents aren't promises. And you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes open with the grace of an adult, not the grief of a child. And you learn to build all your roads on today because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans. After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you get too much. So plant your own garden and decorate your own soul instead of waiting for someone to bring you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure that you really are strong and you really do have worth. Thank you. Just get my stuff together. <laughs> oh, yeah, the question. I have to think of a question. What I would like is if and really going back to the beginning today, is if you could sit and just see what comes very quickly. Don't think about it, but think about your father and what gifts you received from him. I don't mean physical gifts, obviously, but what you feel you received from your father. And then you can also, on a separate piece of paper perhaps, uh, write what was missing for you, what you longed for and didn't get, and what your soul still burns for. Okay? Is that all right? And what will we do with that? That's it. Then. Just go back into your groups again for about 30 minutes. I never, I never turned it on. I presume it was on, was it? Yes.